Welcome to Shi'ar Jashub, coming from Shi'ar Jashub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut, and featuring the ministry of Pastor Greg Scalzo. This is Patty Scalzo, and today we will be picking up the current sermon in the Heavenly Authority series in 2 Samuel chapter 11. When we left off, my husband had read from verse 2, where King David, on his roof one evening, looks down and sees Bathsheba bathing. Let's rejoin Pastor Greg. She's not doing anything to hide herself as she bathes. And there is a lack of modesty. It is a, a spirit of exhibitionism, I believe, like Bathsheba's, that's rampant in our society today. You see it all over in the uh, in the advertisements, in the television page, if you're driving down the road and there's billboards up above the highway, you can see there's a spirit of exhibitionism to want to show as much of the body. People that have worked very hard to beautify themselves want power and position and enjoy showing themselves to the world and enticing. I marvel. One, one thing that we've noticed, especially here in New England, um, how many houses have no blinds or shades on their bathroom windows? I never had experienced this before until we moved up here and you go in, if you have to use a bathroom, you go into it and some homes have nothing on their windows, nothing to pull down, nothing to close. And you, you're saying, but you know, at nighttime, what do you do to be modest? We laugh about this one home down the block from us that their bathroom is in the front of their house. So as the car, as you drive by at night, when the lady comes out of her shower, anyone driving by, now she wouldn't walk around the house probably like that or in front of neighbors if they came over, someone came over with cookies, they would, she wouldn't open the door and say, come in. But when she gets out of a shower, anybody driving by that house at night, the basic laws of physics, when it's dark outside, if you have a light on inside, you can see everything going on in that house. There's nothing that she draws. So as we go by, Patty will say, oh my goodness, she's getting out of the shower. You know, anyone driving by can see her. Oh, maybe she's not aware of it, but there's a spirit of exhibitionism. Some people like to show their bodies off. They enjoy it. And it's really not right. There's no modesty. Um, maybe it's the universities, though I did not dorm, we toured the dorms at the universities and you have co-ed dorms and the men and women are together and there are the girls walking down from the bathrooms with a teeny little towel around themselves and all the fellas are right there and they're bathing together and they're living together and maybe after a while nothing really matters. People become hardened. Uh, maybe after a string of relationships, you know, so what someone sees me come out of the shower in the middle of the evening, um, the person just becomes hardened and, and uh, callous to it. But it's not right. This exhibitionist mentality of our country goes against the basic fundamental laws of modesty. We've lost modesty. And People say, well, we're above that. We're not prudes like that. We don't, you know, that's your own mind. You must have a dirty mind if you think there's something wrong with the human body. What's so bad about it? 
And we're made to feel like maybe something's wrong with us if you speak out against this. However, every marketing man and woman worth their salt knows human nature and knows if they want to sell their product on the TV, in the magazine, they show a little flesh, right? So human nature is still there. We can make believe it's not there and say, oh, we're above all that. No one no, It's just the body. There's nothing wrong with, you know, Bathsheba getting out of the bath and getting in the bath. It's, you know, the... So many artists would love to just pencil her and draw her and put her up in a museum. But reality is reality. People are still human. It's springtime. David can't sleep. He's on the roof. He looks down, a naked lady. She's beautiful. And what happens, happens. And it always happens. You know, so many times people use excuses like that. Men will use excuses in their jobs if they're working late with a woman and they'll tell their wives, no, no, this is just work. We're above all that. But a year later, then they're in the divorce courts. You know, human nature is human nature. When people try to cover over human nature by saying, oh, we're above that, be careful. Because it's a cover-up. It's false. Men are attracted to naked ladies. So ladies, you should not be naked in front of them. That goes to the beaches, you know. And a lot of Christian women like to put the little tiny bikinis on just like the women of the world. But they're not thinking like those women. They have pure motives in their hearts. But the men looking at you are still men. And if David, God's beloved, the man after his own heart, goes up on the roof and looks down as enticed. So you can reckon that those sinners on the beach are at least as enticed as he. Now, does this lessen David's culpability that Bathsheba is there bathing? Does that make him any less culpable? Not at all. Obviously not. But we can't pretend to forget the basic laws of nature and the need for modesty. She was very beautiful. She knew it. She showed it. And he beheld it. Uh, and what happens? He doesn't turn away. He doesn't walk in. What happens? Verse 3. So David sent and inquired about the woman. And someone said, is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Now, he inquires, what should he have done? He should have turned away, right? And what a contrast you have here between David and someone like Joseph the Patriarch, right? You go back to Genesis chapter 39. Joseph repeatedly has Potiphar's wife making advances on him. And when finally she grabs him, grabs his garment to pull him into the bedroom, what does he do? He flees. He runs. Genesis 39, 13. Men should read that one. He runs. He doesn't sit there and ponder. He doesn't inquire. David's going to inquire. He runs. That's the proper attitude. You hear so many times. How many times you hear this? People say, I just couldn't help but fall in love. I wouldn't want to do it. But I couldn't help. I know that person wasn't right. I know I'm married. I know she's married. But I couldn't help myself. You see, Joseph didn't give it a chance to have to help himself. He knew it was wrong, so he ran. 
End of story. He can't fall in love with her if he's outside in the in the walkway. If she's back in the house, he doesn't see her, right? He runs out. So that whole thing, I couldn't help but fall in love. I remember when I was back in corporate business. You know, you had that you had contact with women. You had to bring purchasing agents out to lunch, and sometimes, even funny look at me, you'd have someone start to be a little flirtatious. My thing was I would have a picture of my son, Greg, who was a little kid at the time. And if I started to sense anything, I would bring the conversation around to my little boy, take the picture out, show them my little boy, tell stories about my little boy and what my wife did with my little boy yesterday. Then they start talking about their family members and all and that ends it, right? That was my, uh, as a non-Christian, that was my way of doing a Joseph, a fleeing, was to bring up my son so that it couldn't go any farther. You stop it. But people don't want to stop. That's all an excuse. I just couldn't help falling in love. That's an excuse. You never let it go so far. David is inquiring. David is taking it the next step. Joseph killed it. He just ran. And he inquires and he, what does he find out? He finds out she's, she's married. Now, we saw his situation, 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 12. It says, So David knew that the Lord had established him as king over Israel, and that he exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people, Israel. And David took more concubines and wives from Jerusalem after he had come from Hebron. Also, more sons and daughters were born to David. And it goes to list the names of the sons and daughters. So he had many wives, many concubines. And that goes against uh, what Moses had instructed, right? And Moses, Moses had told him in Deuteronomy chapter 17, when he prophesies ahead that they're going to beg for a king, that the people are going to want a king, he tells them in chapter 17, well, when you want the king and you get the king, these are the rules for the king. In chapter 17, verse 14, when you come to the land which the Lord your God is giving you and possess it and dwell in it and say, I will set a king over me like all the nations that are around me, you shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses. It has to be someone God chooses. One from among your brethren you shall set as king over you. You may not set a foreigner over you who is not your brother. Verse 16, but he shall not multiply horses for himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. For the Lord has said to you, you shall not return that way again. Neither shall he multiply wives for himself, lest his heart turn away. Okay, and we see that very clearly with Solomon. Nor shall he greatly multiply silver and gold for himself. And it gives instructions for the king. So... David is going against the instructions that Moses gave for the situation of the kingship. But let's say he doesn't understand it, right? All the other kings of the nations do this. This is their practice to have many wives. They make treaties by their wives. They unite families by having so many wives. Let's say it's the practice of the day. He, David, certainly knows the Ten Commandments. And once he finds out that she is Uriah's wife, let's say he's thinking of bringing her into the group. 
She's a single gal, and it's wrong. Moses said it's wrong. But when he finds out that she's Uriah's wife, there's no doubt it's wrong. It's clearly adultery. It's clearly against God's commandments, clearly against the Ten Commandments. And you know that David knows that. Why? Because he covers it up. If he didn't think it was wrong, he wouldn't have covered it up. So this is a clear case of clear adultery. So he looks when he shouldn't look. He inquires when he shouldn't inquire. And then when he gets the answer, and he knows the answer then is enough, I shouldn't just let it drop. What does he do? Verse 4, then David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him. And he lay with her, for she was cleansed from her impurity, and she returned to her house. He commits the wrong. He sins gravely anyway. And this adultery will play havoc with David's personal life. It'll tear apart his family. And we'll see that it'll even touch the whole nation. And it's kind of a domino effect. We'll see it happen. As you touch one domino that hits another and another and another. And sin is like that. It magnifies and it magnifies. And one thing can cause another thing. And the results become more and more terrible as the one sin goes on. Here's a man after God's own heart. Here's a man that's blameless in every other matter. But this one thing will cause tragedy for him, his family, and for his nation. We at Shi'ar Jashub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut, hope you join Pastor Greg Scalzo for the next broadcast of Shi'ar Jashub.